It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day, and powered by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first purchase. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you do not have Twitter and you want to get in touch with the show, email lothunderpod at gmail.com. I'll hear you out over there. Subscribe to the show and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this on right now, go ahead and subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. A jam-packed week this week on Locked on Thunder. We'll get into that more at the end. But on today's show, we're going to go over the entire Disney World plan and how the NBA could be on track to restarting the 2019-2020 basketball season. So the basic gist of it is that this will be a one-site campus location. The NBA does not like to use the term bubble, but in order for this to work, we all understand this truly does need to be a bubble situation. Regardless of what players are saying on Twitter right now, you're going to need these guys to really lock in and be in one place and take it seriously, or else you will have to see a ton of players test positive for coronavirus. So this does have to be a bubble, but they're going to call it a campus. It's only going to be one site. There was conversation, speculation, that this could go for even three sites, Vegas, Houston, and Disney World. Right now, we're looking at only one site as of now on Monday, where every team will report. They'll go to Disney World, the sports complex, where there's three arenas to play in. And they're even going to do some regular season games as of right now, which is interesting. The regular season games will only be to pay out the, the regional TV networks. For the RSNs, the regional sports networks, they have to get to 70 games for those contracts to pay out. And this is going to be the main focus and the main reason why, if you're sitting at home right now wondering why the Charlotte Hornets or why the Golden State Warriors want to return to play, it's because they need to get those regional TV deals. So the interesting part of this, though, is that right now we're talking about 70 games. But in the GM survey from Shams on The Athletic, he put out a survey that the GMs were looking at 72 to six to 76 games being played. Uh, but for the purpose of this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to stick with 70. I know that the GM survey uh, surveyed the GMs about 72 games, maybe 76 games. But again, for this podcast, let's stick with 70 because that's what's been reported the most. So 
let's take our first stab at, at breaking down this plan. There's a ton to get to. It's a very complex plan. So the first thing we know is it's going to be in Disney World. It's going to need to be a campus environment, a bubble environment to make sure everyone stays safe. And they're going to be motivated to play regular season games to get to 70 games to get the TV money. So that 70 game mark, let's keep it there. The first question I have in all of this is, you know, not every team has the same amount of games to get to 70. For example, in the Western Conference, Oklahoma City needs six games to get to 70, while Dallas needs three games to get to 70. And so right there you wonder, who benefits more? The teams that have a lot to make up? I think that the Lakers have seven games to make up. Or teams like Atlanta and Dallas who have three games to make up. A lot will depend on on how the NBA wants to schedule these games. How many games they're giving in between regular season games and in between the regular season and the postseason. If Oklahoma City has to play every other day, starting on July 15th up until they're eliminated from the postseason, that's a bit of a different hurdle than, say, Dallas, who will start playing on July 15th, play every other day until they get their three games, and then wait it out for the next seven or however many days until everyone catches up to that 70-game mark, and then they'll start the postseason. So it'll depend a lot on scheduling. It will, on on who benefits more. But in general, I'm going to lean towards Oklahoma City because after a you know, two-month, three-month layoff after we get through June. After that, you get six games to tune up and you really need to get to get back in basketball shape. And these guys will not be worn out over the difference of three games, so to say, between Oklahoma City and Dallas. Sure, technically, you're playing basketball, so by nature, you're risking injury more than Dallas is before the postseason. But you also get to shake the rust off some more, you know, before you enter in that postseason environment in Orlando. So that's interesting though to note is that whatever they pick, whatever number, 70 games, 72 games, 76 games, not every team will need the same amount of games to get there. So someone will have an an advantage or disadvantage. Now, no matter how big or small you think it might be. But I do think that playing more games in this scenario, because I do not think that the NBA would just say, hey, you know what, play every other day until the postseason's over that I think that the team with the most games to play has a bit of an advantage because, again, you get to get back in basketball shape before the games start to truly count in, in terms of win or go home. So the next thing that's brought up is that if we don't go straight to the postseason, the playoff standings. I mean, for this entire quarantine period, I think most Thunder fans were gearing up towards the Utah Jazz. I think that the Thunder were, pro- were probably gearing up towards if we resume we're going to play the Utah Jazz. And in my opinion, with how the West is, you know, separated by, you know, an, a half a game from from 3 to 6. The way it's set up 3 to 6, how, how close it is, how, how competitive it is. If you play 3 or 6 games, I don't see Utah and Oklahoma City meeting up together together. I really don't. So that changes your playoff outlook. With the injury to Boyan Bandanovic of the Jazz with the team chemistry issues with Utah, with them, frankly, not playing well this season. You know, down the stretch of this year, you know, there was questions about Rudy Gobert's defense, which has never been something that you can really pick at until the second half of the season where he just looks disinterested. He looks disinterested offensively, which has correlated to his defense. So the Jazz were a team that if you're the Thunder, you were honestly licking your chops to play. Now, we've said that before, 
We've said that before the past two years, how the Thunder were in a good position heading into the postseason. But Mike Conley has never fit in very well in, in Utah. Their offense has struggled, and now they lose their best score. But if they play any regular season games between you know the start of the season and the postseason, I don't think that you'll see Oklahoma City go up against Utah. I really don't. So what should the Thunder do in, in terms of these regular season games? I'll talk more about the Thunder-specific stuff tomorrow, uh, but just quickly, the Thunder have a ton of options here. They're, it, it, depending on how many games that we get to play in Orlando before the postseason, they're not out of the three seed. I mean, they're not totally out of it. Again, depending on if it's 70, 72, 76, the three seed is realistic. So is the six seed. So what do the Thunder decide to do? And, and one option that's appealing to a lot of fans is, you know, this, this year was house money regardless of what happened. They could have tanked and it would have been understandable. This certainly was a surprise being, you know, the night the suspension happened, being minutes away from, I think, being the four seed and, and having home court advantage, which obviously does not matter now, but being that top four seed. And so here's the option they have now is that if we do play regular season games, you could see Oklahoma City purposely lose those games if they want to, to retain their own pick that they're owed to Philadelphia right now in a top 20 uh, protected scenario. I don't think we'll see Oklahoma City do that, and I wouldn't encourage Oklahoma City to do that. Draft picks are great. They're awesome. I like I like the NBA draft. I like breaking down the NBA draft. But this draft is not very deep, and I don't value that pick the same way I would in a different class to where I think you just go play basketball. Get adjusted to... The no crowds get adjusted to the Disney World arenas, get adjusted to everything you need to adjust to before the postseason. Don't worry about tanking or don't worry about the outcome. Just play basketball. And if you lose and you get your pick, great. We'll talk about two picks coming to Oklahoma City. You know, whenever the draft may be. Because you already have Denver's pick. But if they win, fine. I don't really care. I'm not banging on the door to Sam Presti and and just demanding he tanks and gets his pick back from Philadelphia. It's, it's in play, though, now, because if the season ended, it would be a bunch of tiebreaker scenarios, and it would be a mess sorting out if the Thunder get their pick or not. Safe to say they wouldn't get their pick. But that is an option on the table, and I don't think that the Thunder will use it. I'll talk more about all the Thunder you know aspects of this tomorrow, but I don't think the Thunder should do that. Just play basketball and see what happens. So an NBA-related, you know, going back to the NBA as a whole, how do you handle strength of schedule? Because mathematically, you're going to need to get all these teams through. I mean, again, Lakers have seven games. Oklahoma City has six games. Utah has five games. You're going to need to get these teams shuffled through and, and piece together and all of them up to the, same, to the same speed. How do you handle the strength of schedule? How do you decide who plays who? One benefit of this one-site location, this one-site bubble, is that any team can play anybody. You don't need to worry about the, the divisions, the conferences. Just have the Thunder play whoever you want them to play, Western or Eastern Conference, in the regular season. So just do whatever you need to do to get through these games, to get to 70, to get to 72, or 76. But that will be something that is very much you know debated, talked about, and diagnosed 
as we lead up to the restart of the season, the strength of schedule. And you'll hear teams complaining about how they got a tough draw, and that will be back to kind of normal sports talk of just random schedule diagnosis. But I am interested to see what goes into that process. What goes into picking who plays who? Is it truly random? Is there some algorithm? Are they going to try to keep it division by division? What are they going to do? And then you get into, again, these losing teams. And we talked about it before. Their only incentive to come back is their local TV deals. That's the only incentive that that those teams have, like the Warriors. So if you're the Warriors, do you even send Steph Curry into this bubble environment? Because again, if you're the Warriors, you have two incentives here. Number one, and most importantly, is the TV deals. You've got to get 70 games to get paid out from your regional network. Number two, in this scenario, you're not going to make up ground. You're not going to get back in the postseason. So it is to lose. Your incentive is to be a losing team and lose all of these games, no matter how many games there are, lose every single one of them. That way you improve your lottery position. And same goes for every team outside the playoffs right now. Your incentive is get paid by your TV network and to lose. So do you send Steph Curry? Do you send Bradley Beal if you're the Wizards, which we'll get to in a second? Do you send even your young guys if you're the Hornets? Do you send Devontae Graham? Do you send P.J. Washington? I want to know how losing teams are going to handle this. Is the league going to say, hey, we need everyone, we need all hands on deck. We need to stand united in this, in this decision, and we need everyone to show up. But I just don't see how five or six games will benefit Steph Curry next year will benefit the growth of Devontae Graham. I just want to know what the teams plan to do, really. I think that we'll see, you know, if I'm guessing, I think that we'll see a ton of summer league-like rosters. I mean, you'll get, you know, the starting five won't even, won't even play, and you'll just get a bunch of two-way guys and guys at the end of the bench. One thing I know for sure is how good Built Bar is. Built Bar is a fantastic product. It is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. For only 110 calories, you can get all the protein you need for low sugar, and it's also low in carb. And again, the flavors are incredible here. If you go to BuiltBar.com and you see anything that says peanut butter, go ahead and buy it because it's going to be fantastic. I also cannot recommend enough the banana nut bread. That one is my personal favorite. But again, anything with peanut butter and chocolate is going to be awesome. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get $10 off your first order. You want these Built Bars. They are just incredible. Again, all the protein you need for pre-workout, post-workout. You can even use them as a meal replacement, you know, as, as your breakfast. It's 110 calories. You're going to be you know, full for the rest of the, you know, rest of the morning. So go to builtbar.com right now. Again, promo code locked on, save $10 off your first order. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. 
Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So going back to the scheduling of this whole Disney World plan, how are they going to stagger games? Because if, in my opinion, if I was the NBA, I would put games on in the, in the regular season from 11 a.m. Central Time until midnight, and let's just go to town. Let's just have games all day long, stagger them so there's no overlap. We can watch the NBA all day, every day. It'll be an overload of sports that we would just we would just eat it all up. We would, we would not take any of it for granted. We would watch every single game. More people watched yesterday golf than, than, than ever before. Watched Tom Brady and Peyton Manning play golf with, with Charles Barkley commentating on it. Now, it did have Tiger Woods, so that's a plus in terms of the golf aspect. But still, we are that star for sports where we're watching Peyton Manning and Tom Brady go head-to-head you know, on the golf course, which was a fantastic production, a, a great thing to watch for a Sunday afternoon. But still, that's how much we want to watch sports. So I think that the NBA should take advantage of that and just play all day, play all day long. Now in the playoffs, if you want to get back to a more traditional schedule, if you want to play from, you know, seven to midnight, that's fine as well. Uh, but for the regular season, especially just go ahead and play like a, like the NCAA tournament, just play all day. We'll watch it. I, I promise you, Adam Silver, we're going to watch it. And it sounds like that's what they're going to do for their, for their regular season. It sounds like they will have two courts going at once from you know, early afternoon until the end of the night. So that's going to be a ton of fun to watch basketball all day. I cannot wait for that. It sounds like basketball will be returning. My other question in terms of scheduling is how many days off will teams get? You're not traveling. You know, you're not you know, going cross-country or anything like that. So it takes out your travel days. I, I don't think they'll have to play back-to-backs, especially in the regular season or playoffs, I mean, whenever you have so many teams and you can just play every other day. I don't think that they're going to need to play back-to-backs, but it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. And again, in that postseason, do you play still in the, in the conference championship games, conference finals? Do you play east on Mondays, west on Tuesdays, or do you do double-headers? and just own a day of the week and keep doing it every other day, or do you spread it out? So the schedule will be the most interesting part of this for me, is just seeing what all goes into that decision of who plays who, and the times that they're played and, and the days off and things like that is incredibly interesting to me. It really is. So now we get into more of the off-the-court stuff before we dive into the you know X's and O's of this whole thing. Off-the-court-wise, I want to know if players are going to show up to these games and be in the stands and, and be watching you know, other teams go at it and, and really be the fan base since they're all quarantined, they're all being tested every day, they know that they're okay. Are they going to show up to these games kind of like how you see uh, in high school tournaments around Oklahoma and in the NCAA tournament you know, around the NCAA where, where teams are watching their next opponents and watching what's going on within their league and things like that. I think that that could bring an interesting dynamic to the game. A ton of young guys have a lot of personality. Like, you know, for example, in Oklahoma City, Shea and Baisley, 
if they go to games, they would be having fun in the crowd. They would be reacting to big time plays. They would be getting excited over massive slam dunks from Russell Westbrook or something like that. So I think that it could add to this atmosphere if players did show up and did go to the stands and were involved uh, in other games. Will it happen? I'm not sure, but it would be interesting to watch if that did happen. And you could get a ton of content out of that. I mean, you guarantee that that every time they show a big play followed by another athlete in the stands, it would be clipped and it would be on Twitter within seconds. So I do want to know how they're going to handle that, as well as just the atmosphere. You know, Joe Buck talked about how if the NFL cannot have fans in the stands, Fox is probably going to pipe in crowd noise to the TV broadcast. He would assume that, uh, that, that Fox would do that. They would pipe in crowd noise and only we would hear it at home. The players wouldn't hear it. Or at least not the players would not hear what Fox is doing. So what would the NBA do? What will the NBA do? Will they have you know, crowd noise embedded into the broadcast? That way we cannot hear everything going on on the court. Will they just do it and, and put the crowd noise and put you know kind of background noise onto the court where the players also hear it to make the players feel more comfortable? I think ultimately it's up to the players. If the players want fake crowd noise, if the players want music or something being played, they get to decide, and then the fans at home will get whatever the broadcast decides, which will be something. I don't think that we're just going to get the raw, you know, the the raw footage of the gym uh, because there's there's too much cussing, frankly. In an empty gym with the mics on on the floor, the mics on the camera, you know, the mics at the scorers table you will pick up all that cussing and, and it's not going to be something you can put on the air. So they're going to need to put something like normal embedded to where you hear it minimally. You you rarely hear it because you still do hear cussing within the game. You still hear it, uh, but with the crowd noise, it becomes less and less. So the TV, I think will for sure have fake crowd noise. I'm not sure about the in arena experience, uh, but it is an interesting dynamic. I mean, Who's going to be running that scoreboard? Are they going to be booing the refs whenever the refs make a bad call uh, against the quote-unquote home team? Are they going to be, you know, playing defense chance or MVP chance whenever, you know, your best player goes to the line after dropping 40 points? It's an interesting decision that I think the NBA has to consider. I mean, I'm sure that they are considering this of what to do to make it feel both, um, I don't want to say realistic, but, but make it feel normal to the players and the fans at home. What's going to put the most normalcy around this? Because we know it's going to change with no fans there, with a smaller arena playing in Disney World. It's going to look funny. Now, we're going to love it. We're going to watch it. We're going to support it as basketball fans. But it will look funny. So how do they, how do they get the most normalcy out of all of this? And another question that people bring up is, are players still going to get excited? Are players still going to get you know, emotional after big plays? Russell Westbrook being a prime example, who was in Oklahoma City forever, as everyone knows. But I think that that answer is clearly yes. I'm not sure how this is kind of a big topic. Uh, You will see Russell Westbrook screaming. You will see Russell Westbrook stomping his feet. You'll see other players doing it as well. You'll still see players with emotion because when you go to the YMCA and you're playing pickup games against nobody in a half-court setting uh, and just messing around, people still get excited over and ones and still get hyped up. So of course the NBA players still 
competing, still doing their job, still trying to win a championship, of course they're going to get excited. If you get excited at the YMCA whenever you drill a three-pointer, Russell Westbrook will get excited whenever he dunks on Joel Embiid. So I think that this question is an easy yes, that, that players will still get very excited. So again, sticking off the floor, how does the NBA handle media? Because the, the media, I know it's not appealing to fans to talk about the media, uh, or it's not an interesting aspect, but it does bring a lot to the table uh, in terms of fan enjoyment. You know, the, the post-game press conferences bring a ton of memes, a ton of um, Twitter moments, a ton of interaction, a ton of content for everyone. So how do you handle that now? Who gets to go into the bubble? I think within the bubble, you will not see media members there, you know, your, your local media members. You'll see Rachel Nichols. You'll see Brian Windhorst. You'll see Woj, Zach Lowe. You'll see that echelon of media members. And then for your press conferences, you can either do them via Zoom or a pool reporter where every media member sends their questions to the one person there, probably going to be each team's PR guy or girl, send them to their, to send them to that person. They'll go around and ask your questions for you. And then they'll relay them to you, the answers to you. I don't, I think that zoom would be a lot to set up every game. Maybe in the postseason it gets easier, uh, but pool reporters will most likely be how this gets done. It's how they do it with, with referees right now. Uh, so I think that that's a good transition uh, into this Disney World plan is just to have a pool reporter for every team and they'll ask all the questions that need to be asked. Uh, but it is something to monitor. I mean, I, again, I know media is not a, a concern for anyone right now, uh, but in terms of a fan enjoyment, it is something to monitor uh, going forward. And I do think, again, we'll see the top people there like Rachel Nichols, but the local people will just stay back and watch games on TV, hopefully have a few Zoom conferences the same way that the Thunder have done with, with Sam Presti uh, recently in quarantine. So I think that that's how this is going to transpire. And then one more off-the-court note before I get to like really the, the on-the-court basketball sense, get back to that. It's interesting if you are interested in how this is going to unfold and you're interested in how uh, the safety protocols are in place and things like that for the NBA return, go to The Ringer and look up Kevin O'Connor's article about group testing. Um, I never thought of this as, as an option for the NBA until reading the article. And basically what it would do is put a group of, say, 20 people uh, and blood test them every single day. And, and you'll put all of their blood together, though, for just one COVID test. And if that test comes back positive, then you go back and you individually test those 20 people. Instead of giving everyone a COVID test every day, you give them that blood test and then return to them for the COVID test if it tests positive, those 20 people. And then you quarantine them and do the proper things to them uh, if there is a positive COVID test. I think that's very interesting. And again, something I didn't really think of whenever discussing the NBA returning. And I always knew testing would be the biggest part of this. You're going to have to be able to test these players and make sure that they're okay before they go play. Because we've seen in the NBA how quickly this can spread. Look at look at the domino effect whenever the NBA was suspended. It goes from Rudy Gobert to Donovan Mitchell to Christian Wood to Kevin Durant and three other, three other Nets players. I mean, it can spread very fast, especially in the NBA uh, environment where not only in this scenario are you living together, but 
playing NBA basketball is not like playing baseball. You can't social distance when you're trying to drive into the paint on, on Steven Adams. You cannot socially distance that. You're going to be sweating on each other. You're going to be hitting each other. You're going to be in full contact. I mean, it, it's, it's unavoidable unless you don't play. So you're going to need to test these guys. Uh, and group testing is something that I, I found very interesting to read about, you know, on Kevin O'Connor's piece at The Ringer. So go read that if you have not already. It's a great job by Kevin O'Connor. Speaking of reading, if you're like me, you want to get into more books, but you just don't have the time. And that's where our good friends over at Blinkist come in. Let me tell you about them. They're the most useful app on my phone right now, and they work for your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best and key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and allows you to listen to them or read them in just 15 minutes. I throw Blinkist on while I'm getting work done at my desk. That way I can get the need-to-know information on some of the top nonfiction books out there right now. Again, in 15 minutes, you can get all of the important details of your favorite nonfiction book. Thousands and thousands of nonfiction books are offered on Blinkist. You can either listen to them or read them. They give you unlimited access to read a massive library of condensed nonfiction books for just one low price. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist is giving our audience a very special offer. Go to Blinkist.com NBA and you'll get a seven-day free trial. You'll also save 25% off your subscription. Again, that's promo code NBA at Blinkist.com, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, dot com slash NBA for 25% off your subscription and a free seven-day trial. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So again, there's a ton of content to get to involving this return to play at Disney World. I want to talk again and shift back to on the court. The first thing that's thrown around in this GM survey that was acquired by The Athletic is the possibilities of play-in tournaments. And Bill Simmons was the first person to throw this out there as a possibility or really just as a thought he had. Uh, and to see it on the survey gives more credence to it. Uh, but I hate this idea. I don't think there's any way that the play-in tournament happens. And I get it. Now's the time to experiment if you want to, if you're the NBA. Uh, but... I think that just my gut feeling here that the NBA is going to want to keep this as close to normal as possible. This championship is going to have an asterisk. It's going to have a story behind it. Will it be validated? We'll see. But it's going to have a story behind it. And it's going to be altered in history. And it's not going to be weighed the same, I don't think. And adding a play-in tournament just cheapens this championship even more. 
You're not going on the road to win. You're not flying cross-country to win. You're not facing tough environments. You're not, you know, again, traveling and, and facing adversity. You're in a bubble with no fans. So the championship will be different, especially after a three-month layoff. And a play-in tournament, to me, only cheapens that experience, especially whenever you look at the standings. Let's face it, 70 games, 72 games, we're 10 games out of finishing the season. These teams that aren't in the playoffs are there because they put themselves in a bad position. Do the Wizards really deserve to be in the Eastern Conference playoffs? No, they don't. In the West, Portland hasn't played well this year. That's their fault. Sure, the Pelicans miss Zion. And sure, Zion would be a good story, but at the end of the day, the Grizzlies played better basketball. They're the eighth seed. I think that that's why we felt so comfortable assuming this season would go to you know straight to the playoffs. Sure, Portland could have made it if we played these 20 games. Sure, you know New Orleans could have made it. They were surging if we played these 20 games. But still, there's validity with the Grizzlies, and especially the Mavericks, who are well in front of anyone fighting for the eighth seed. Well in front. So to throw them into the, to a play-in tournament would be awful. I think a play-in tournament really would cheapen this championship and really, and again, I get it, it's, it's the right time to experiment because we already are going to look at this as an asterisk season, but it would really just play more into that and play more into this not being a legitimate champion. I just find it useless to, to do a play-in tournament, and maybe you guys are all for it, the play-in tournament. I just think that there's no need to do it. I'm comfortable with one through eight being in. And Adam Silver already said he wants to keep the playoff series at seven games. And I wouldn't like shortening the playoffs to, to three or five series, or three or five game series. I wouldn't like that either. Keep the playoffs as normal as possible. One through eight, keep the conferences, play seven games. Maybe I'm being too much of a traditionalist. Maybe, you know, maybe this is the right way to handle this if you're the NBA is just to try new things and experiment because you're already going to look back at the season with an asterisk. But to me, keep it as normal as possible. So at least it gets some sort of, you know, validation. If the Lakers and the Bucks go to the, the finals and handle business and it turns out that everything played out the way we thought it would, that's not going to be this humongous asterisk. Now, it will still have some. It will still be a huge story to tell 50 years from now, 100 years from now. But ultimately, it played out the same way. If you do this play-in tournament and then somehow a, a five-seed runs the table and, and finds their way in the finals, then this just grows and grows that asterisk next to the title, you know, next to the championship in 2020. So I would not go for a play-in tournament. Just would not do it. And then what would a championship mean? Again, I think that the championship, we won't know the asterisk situation. We will not know the validity of it until we see who wins it. And that's unfair. It really is. Uh, but again, I think that we'll feel more comfortable crowning this champion if it's between the Bucks, the Raptors, the Lakers, the Clippers, teams who we expected to be there. If there's some surprise run, I think that we look back on this season and we say, hey, you know, what could have been if we just let the season play out? You know, like normal. 
I, I do wonder what, how we'll view the championship in such a culture that we have in sports that values rings that, that says Michael Jordan's the goat because he's six and zero in the finals. How do we value this ring for Giannis? This, his first ring in, in Milwaukee, being in Orlando, being in Disney world, being with no fans. Does he still get credit as much credit as you would get for a normal championship season? I think he should, but how will people look at it? you know, in a wide scope. So there's a lot of questions and very little answers right now around this 70 game plan. But I did want to break this all down because the first real basketball news we've had since the stoppage of the season and since I've taken over here on Locked on Thunder. Uh, But we're not done talking about this. I mean, this is the the hot topic around the NBA. So just settle in. We're going to have another show tomorrow talking all about the Thunder aspect of this 70 game season plan, talking all about how it impacts Chris Paul now, can he be an even better playoff player with no fans there? Uh, who benefits the most from this layoff between you know, Thunder players? Uh, how their chemistry and, 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 and how their team could be comprised for one of those sneaky runs that we're not expecting, one of those surprise playoff runs that I was just talking about. And then later in the week, we'll also have Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith was the guy that found out this Disney plan. He's been talking about Disney on Twitter and the NBA linking, linking up together there since March. He's the guy that's responsible for breaking this news. So I asked him to come on the show and he said he will. So we'll have him on later on this week to see how that all unfolded. What's the latest breaking news around that by the time that he hops on the podcast. That'll be about Wednesday this week. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that on Locked on Thunder. I have a ton of great things lined up for Locked on Thunder. I hope that you'll subscribe, review the show and stick around. Again, I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.